In 2005, the storm Hurricane Katrina beat down on Mississippi and Louisiana. 1,800 lives were taken and there was $125 billion worth of damage. And a couple of weeks after the storm hit, the Indiana State Department of Health uh, asked my wife, Jennifer, who's a physician, to go down to Gulfport, Mississippi, and to help with the medical needs that were taking place there. And so Jennifer and I spent some time praying because it was before kids, and we knew we would be separated for a period of time, and it was three weeks that they were asking her to commit to. And so we felt like God really was calling her to do that, And so she hopped on a bus, and she and a group from Indiana headed down to Gulfport, Mississippi. Now, what was really cool is when the church found out, and there were a couple other people from the church who went as well. And when they found out that we were doing this, uh, they said, we want to help as well. And even though we were less than a year old, we decided as a church, we were going to take one of our entire offerings and we were going to go ahead and give it to the people who were suffering in Gulfport. The only problem was, is that there was no way to transport the items down there. Everything had kind of shut down. And so I told the leadership, I said, well, I'll offer to take all of the supplies, all of the food and everything else down. And so we loaded up my SUV full of over $2,000 worth of supplies, and I drove it down to Gulfport, one, to be able to help the people, and two, to be quite honest, because I missed my wife. And I'll never forget that drive, because the more that... I continued to get closer and closer to Gulfport, you begin to start seeing signs of the storm. And once we got into Gulfport, I was overwhelmed to the max. You see, I had never seen that kind of devastation from a storm before. This city almost looked like a ghost town. There was little to no electricity anywhere, and almost everything was running on generators. Just a couple of different streets that actually had electricity. My wife Jennifer actually stayed in a military tent where 20 or 30 other women who were medical professionals as well uh, stayed. If they had to use the restroom, there was no running water, so they had to go to a porta pot. There was a shower tent that you could only use twice a day, and uh, everything was, there was no running water, nothing was really working, and there was all of this devastation that was around them, and late at night, it became very, very hot, and obviously, there were no fans. Now, when I arrived to the compound where Jennifer was at, I was not allowed to go in. The Indiana National Reserve, uh, along with the Indiana State uh, Department of Health, had everyone there, and I wasn't allowed to go in myself. But Jennifer came to kind of where they had the gate, where I could meet her, and we greeted each other, and we were so excited. And then what I really wanted to know was where was I staying? 
Because I assumed I probably was staying in a tent. And Jen said, well, actually, there's a church that has become a distribution center and a medical clinic. And so uh, I think that you will be staying there. And so we got there. We saw patients that day. We provided items for people. And at the end, uh, I assumed I would just be sleeping in the tent when the pastor came and said, um, Pastor Chris, we wondered if you would stay with my wife and our family in our home. And I think my wife felt a lot better about that, that I wouldn't be staying by myself. And so we agreed that I would do that. Now, what was kind of ironic is when the pastor drove me to his house, I noticed that their house actually had lights in it. And when we walked in, it didn't feel hot, like 80 some degrees and humidity. The air conditioning was working. And then they brought me up to their guest bedroom, and actually it was so cold that night that I actually had to put on an extra cover. And that next morning, the pastor's wife got up, and she made me breakfast, and everything was wonderful. I got in my car, and I drove to the compound where my wife was. She came out, and she said, well, how was your stay? Was it kind of hard? And I So, well, actually, it got so cold, I had to put a blanket on. Now, at that point, that pastor's wife, I will not say her name, Jennifer Bunch, but anyways, she started saying some words, folks, that pastor's wife should not say. She was not happy that I was the one living in this wonderful thing, and she was sweating in a tent. And I finally told her, well, it just proves one thing, that God loves pastors more than he does doctors. (laughs) Folks, people were devastated by this storm, though. And even though I stayed in a very nice place, that next day, again, the devastation was everything. And this is just what I want to say to you today. Folks, I realize some of you are going through a storm right now. In fact, all of us are going through a storm that we call COVID. And when you're going through a storm, it can be tough. It can be difficult. It can be extremely overwhelming. And so today, I want to talk about God's presence when you're in a storm. I mean, Where is God when you're going through a storm? Now, throughout this Christmas series, we've been looking at one particular passage of Scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And uh, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, and this is what it says. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him What's it say? That bolded area. What's it say? God with us. If you would right now, uh, if you would just type in the chat right now, God with us. If you're not really sure right now, if you're on Facebook or YouTube or whatever kind of medium you're on, church online, just type in right now, God is with me. If you can't believe it right now, type it anyways. God with us. God is with me. But the truth is, you can type it in, you can say it to yourself, but when you're going through a storm, it's often a time in which you begin to start questioning, is God really there? 
Is God present? Is God going to see me through? Today, I have a feeling that some of you are in the middle of a storm right now. It's uh, called the storm of depression, or it's the storm of grief. Some of you are going to experience Christmas for the very first time without a loved one, and you're going through the storm, and you're not ready for it. Others of you have gone through a storm of divorce, and you're going to experience that for the very first time. Others of you are going through relational storms. You're going through financial storms. You're going through work storms right now, or maybe you're unemployed, and you're just wondering, am I going to make it through this storm? Folks, sometimes when you're in the middle of a storm, And you're going through real pain and real hurt. You often just wonder, am I going to get through this? We just want the storm to go away. Could it just leave and not be with me? So what do you do when you're going through a storm? Well, unfortunately, one of the things that many people do is they blame God. It's like, God, it's your fault. The reason I'm going through this storm right now is because of you. It's your issue. It's your fault. Or they'll begin to start asking some questions like, where is God? Why is God allowing all of this to happen to me? I don't understand where God is at in this storm. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Some of you right now, maybe you need to just go ahead and type that in, that I'm never going to believe that even when I'm going through a storm, that God is not present with me. Well, the truth is, God realized that you and I would go through storms, and so there's multiple different passages of Scripture that talk about different storms. And one of those is found in Acts chapter 27. Acts is kind of the story of the early acts of the church. And in chapter 27, we are given kind of this concept of a storm. You you see, there's this group of men, and they're out on a sea. They're in the middle of this boat when all of a sudden there is a massive, crazy storm. In fact, this storm was not just a one-day kind of thing. It went on and on, kind of like Katrina did For the struggles that we went through. And this crew was terrified. They're overwhelmed to the max. And what they start doing is they start throwing some of the cargo out of the boat. And they believed that this was the thing that was going to take them down. This was going to be a storm that they would never survive. And so we pick up this uh, passage in verse 20 and we read this. 
When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you would use that phrase to describe your life right now? There is a storm that is continuing to rage and it's not stopping. I see no end in sight. And so in response to this storm, the text goes, they finally gave up all hope of being saved. They gave up all hope of being saved. You know, that phrase hits me because there's many times that I'm around people who have simply given up hope. They've given up all hope. Our marriage is never going to get through this. I'm always going to be in debt. I'm never going to be able to get out of this situation. I'm never going to be able to overcome cancer. I'm never going to have a healthy relationship. I'm never going to be able to conceive. I'm never going to be able to get out of my financial loss. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. And when a storm comes, there's many times that you and I have a tendency to lose all hope. So this is kind of where this group of people are at. They have given up all hope. And verse 21 says this, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul, and Paul, if you're not familiar with the the text, uh, Paul was a guy who uh, wrote close to half of the New Testament. And he was one of Jesus' closest followers. He was at the heart of the church. He was a very encouraging guy. And the scripture says this, And Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Now, I have a feeling that when Paul stood up and he said those words, they wanted to punch Paul in the nose. They're kind of like, are you serious, Paul? Are you like encouraging us in some way? I mean, this doesn't sound very encouraging. Paul basically said, men, you should have taken my advice. Then you would have spared yourself all of this damage and loss. Now, even though Paul is kind of a kind of spiritual hero of the Bible, Uh, He was not above doing what you and I do so often, and that is when we're right and we know we're right and somebody else is wrong in our rightness, we come to them and what do we tell them? I told you so. I told you so. And that's what Paul does here. He says, I told you so. I told you shouldn't have gone. Boys, if you would have just listened to me, you wouldn't be in the middle of this storm. Now, the question is, why are these guys in this storm? Because it was their own fault. 
You see, they should have never gone out there. Uh, they took a risk. They took a risk that was not safe. And it was dangerous. Have you ever been in uh, Christian circles before where everybody there loves to blame the devil for everything? I mean, they'll say, it's the devil's fault. The devil. I mean, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Well, no, sometimes the devil didn't make you do it. You made a really dumb, stupid choice. You did it. Uh, The reason why you're in financial trouble and you're in the middle of a financial storm is because you spent more money than what you have, right? Or, you know, the reason why you're in the middle of a storm is because you opened your big fat mouth and you said something that you couldn't take back. Or maybe the reason that you're in the middle of a storm is because you actually procrastinated and you put something off. I'll never forget in college, I got a really bad grade on one of my tests one time. But the devil didn't make me do it, folks. You know what made that bad grade? I chose to eat pizza all night and I played video games. That's why I failed the exam. There was no other reason. And it's the same way, folks, with anything that you're going through. Sometimes, when you're in a storm, it's your fault. Sometimes, when you're going through a a storm, it's not your fault. But this is what I've learned. It's much easier... For me to believe that God will get me out of a storm if God got me into the storm, then it is to believe that God will get me out of a storm if I put myself in the storm. Well, they find themselves in this storm, and the storm continued to rage. And they gave up all hope. Now, There are some people, I want you to know, that were on the boat who probably it wasn't their fault. I mean, they're not the ones that caused it. I'm not exactly sure how big the crew was, but I have a feeling that a few of them, when they got on the boat, they're like, I don't think we should go out there. I I really don't think we should either. So for some of them, folks, it's not their fault. Let me ask you, have you ever been in the middle of the storm, but it wasn't your fault? For example, for some of you, uh, when you were a kid, your parents got a divorce. And all of a sudden you found yourself in a storm, but it wasn't your fault. Or maybe there's somebody that you trusted and you actually gave some money to, or you helped out in some way. And as you kind of reached out to them, there was this thought that they'll pay me back or they'll come through, they'll help me out. But then they lied and they kept saying some things and they never came through and you found yourself in the middle of a storm, but it wasn't your fault. 
Or how about for all of us as we're going through COVID right now? We didn't create it. We didn't cause it. And yet all of us folks are stuck in this storm. You see, sometimes you're in a storm because it's your own fault. Sometimes you're in a storm and it's not your fault. But regardless of whether you're in a storm, regardless of the reason why, whether you caused it or you didn't, When you're in the middle of a storm, it's very easy for you and I to give up hope. But let me remind you again of our big idea. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Of God. So back to the story. The storm continued to rage. They had given up all hope. And then in verse 22, Paul says this, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. You know what? Some of you need to hear that right now. Some of you just need to know, I need to keep up my courage. I need to keep up my faith. The ship has not totally gone down yet. The storm is not going to take you out. And then Paul says, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And then in verse 23, he says, Last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. Now, I don't know what you think about angels. Uh, The truth is, for the first half of my life, I didn't believe in angels. But then, I actually read scripture. And when you read scripture, it's flooded With the fact that God sends angels regularly to his people. And the reality is, even though I can't always see things, I know that I experience the presence of God. For example, I can't always see the wind, but, you know, we're freezing right now in uh, Indiana. I can't always see the wind. I just know I'm cold. And in the same light... Even though I can't see the wind, I can feel it on myself when I'm on a beach, which I'm sure some of you wish you were at right now. And in the same way, folks, there's a spiritual world that we can't always see, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't there. So just imagine that you're in the middle of this storm when all of a sudden the presence of God comes to you in an angel. And I just want you to know that it may not be an angel that God sends to you, but he will send his presence to you anytime to remind you that you are not alone and you are not in this storm by yourself. You have to understand that he will do anything. He will have any way he can to get you to understand that he is present even in a storm. And plus, if you're a follower of Christ, the truth is, is that Christ lives in you. He lives in you. And he goes before you. I mean, God already knows, folks, what's going to happen tomorrow. He is not bound by space and time. And he is constantly hearing your and my prayers. 
He's comforting our hearts. He will guide us when we're lost. And he will give us peace in the midst of chaos. So never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. A couple of years ago, my wife Jennifer and I went to Burlington, uh, Vermont for one of her medical conferences. Uh, she's like really important. She goes to places and I'm a tag along. I just kind of go with her to these different places. And so we went to uh, Burlington, Vermont and Lake Champlain is right uh, there on Burlington, uh, right by Burlington, uh, Vermont. And uh, while we were there, one evening we decided, hey, let's go on a, a sailboat ride. And so we went ahead and we paid for it. We got on the sailboat and we left uh, in the early evening. And it was very cold and it was very windy and it was kind of rough. And uh, all of a sudden we started talking to the captain and we found out that she had lived on Lake Champlain her entire life. And she knew all the ins and outs. And the more that the trip kind of went on, the more safe that we felt. But as we were coming in, a storm came up and all of a sudden the boat started rocking and we're all kind of freaking out. But all of a sudden this thought came to me, but the captain of this particular sailboat has been through this many times before and she's lived on Lake Champlain. I'm sure there'll be no problem at all. And we got safely there. It was no issue at all because the captain of the ship was in the boat. And because of that, I felt at peace. You know, there's a story in the New Testament also, not the one that we looked at today, but a story about uh, Jesus and his best friends. There were 12 of them, and one day they're on this boat. They're out. It's a different boat than the one we talked about today, but they're out on this boat, and everything is going fine, and Jesus is like, I'm kind of tired. I'll go down to the bottom of the boat and take a nap. And so he did, when all of a sudden a storm came up. And it continued to rage and to rage and to rage. And everyone on the boat, even these big tough fishermen who had been in many storms before, they actually become afraid. And it's kind of like you and I. When we're in a storm, sometimes we freak out. And they started freaking out. And they're kind of wondering, like, where is Jesus? What's going on? We've never seen a storm like this. Can somebody go wake him up? We're about to die. And so they wake Jesus up. He comes to the deck and he says these words. He goes, why are you afraid? I'm here. Don't you see? Why do you have such little faith? And then he said, peace be still. And everything came to peace, and there was peace on that boat. Now, why was there peace on the boat? Because Jesus was in the boat. You see, real peace is not found in the absence of a storm Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. 
Let me say that again. Real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Real peace is not about a trouble-free life because you're never going to have a trouble-free life. I mean, even those of you who are Christians, the reality is, is that you're going to have some bad days. I mean, bad things happen to good people all the time. And any Christian who ever would tell you, oh, we never have any bad days at all. You know what they have? Bad theology. Because Jesus was very clear. In fact, he said this one day, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have some trouble and you're kind of like, great, Jesus, I've given my life to you. And the thing that you tell me is I'm going to have trouble. But that's not where his statement ends. He goes on to say this, but take heart. I have overcome the world in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart, folks. I have overcome the world. Real peace is not found in the absence of trouble. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Let's look at verse 22 again in Acts. I want you to see what Paul said. Last night, an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, Paul, you're not going to go down in this battle because God has more battles for you to fight. Today... I have a feeling that some of you need to hear that. You need to hear that this particular storm is not going to take you out that you're going through right now because God has more for you to do. He has so much more for you to do. He has people for you to love. He has people for you to serve. He has people for you to bless He has peace that he gives you in the midst of this storm. But you are not going out because of this storm. He is with you and he's for you. And he will not walk away from you even in the midst of your storm. Because this is the truth, folks. If you're not dead... God is not done with you. He still has more for you to do. I mean, the ship may go down, but you are not going down with the ship. In fact, God will use whatever it is that you've learned in your storm to actually pay it forward. Actually, what storms do is they prepare you to help other people. And that's one of the things that I love about God. You see, there is a purpose for every storm we go through. 
The storm did not surprise God. COVID did not surprise God. He knew this was going to take place and he wants to do something in you. He wants to do something in me. He's going to use whatever storm you have to help someone else out. One day, I have a feeling that for some of you, because of the storm that you're experiencing, you're going to meet somebody who has something very similar that you're going through, and you'll be able to tell them, our marriage went through a similar thing. It was very difficult. We didn't think we were going to make it, but we made it through, and so can you. I used to be addicted to that exact same substance. And then I went to celebrate recovery and I started working the steps. And as I worked the steps, all of a sudden I found freedom like I had never experienced before. This Tuesday at seven o'clock, for some of you, that's where your storm could stop. It could begin to stop if you would reach out and get some recovery in your life. Celebrate recovery, ministry center, seven o'clock. And For some of you, it may be, we used to be in debt, boatloads of debt, but we worked through it and we got some help and we made it through. And all of a sudden, you can become encouragement to other people who are going through a storm. Verse 25 says, so keep up your courage, men. Keep up your courage, ladies. Keep up your faith. You can do this. Stick with it. Keep up your courage, for I have what? Let's say this out loud together. I have faith in God. Whatever room you're in, if you're in Yorktown, Muncie, you know, wherever, Gaston, if you're in another state, another, you know, country, uh, wherever you are, just repeat to yourself, tap it in the chat right now. I have faith in God. I have faith in God. You can type it in. I have faith in God. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I have faith in God that it will happen. My faith is not in what my see, in what I see. My faith is never in what I see. My faith is in what God says. My faith is not in the boat. My faith is in the one who is actually in the boat. My faith is not in the wood that created the boat. My faith is in the one who planted the tree and created the tree to be able to become a boat. I have faith in my God that it will happen, that he will see me through, that he will provide what I need, and that even when I'm in the middle of a storm, I can experience his peace. Friends, peace is not the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Because he is with you, and he is for you, and he will never walk away. Again, scripture says, look, the virgin will have a child, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Folks, today, 
what some of you need to know is that God is with you and God is for you and God wants to give you peace even in the midst of the storm. Because even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because God is with you. He is Emmanuel. He is with you. God with us. So never, never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because the reality is, folks, storms are going to hit your life. They're going to come. But even though the storms come, Jesus says, if you'll be with me, if you'll stay with me, this storm is not going to take you out. Because my peace will be with you. Because I am always with you. God with us. He left heaven to come to earth because he wanted to be with you in every storm that you go through. Let's pray. God, right now I just pray for every single person who's going through a storm right now. For some people, they've lost someone that they've loved and they're going into Christmas for the first time and they just feel the storm of anxiety and fear and sadness and discouragement. God, remind them that even in the storm, they are not alone. Remind them that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with I want to ask you to do something right now that may seem kind of of strange because you're in a room or maybe you're by yourself. But if you're in a storm right now, would you just raise your hand? You're not raising it up for me or for anything that we're doing. You're just raising it up to God saying, God, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm in a storm and I need you. Let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person who has a hand held up in our hurting. God, would you let them know right now that they are not alone, that you are with them and you are for them and that you will never walk away. I pray right now, God, through the powerful name of Jesus Christ, that you would reach into every room that you would reach to someone who's maybe watching this months from now and you would remind them that you are with them and that they could actually feel your presence. Wherever they are, God, would you send them your comfort? Would you send them your love? Give them your peace in the midst of their storm. You can put your hand down. You know, I was thinking about it this week. And for some of you, the reason why you're in a storm is because of something that happened in your past. Something's happened in your past and you've been just carrying it and carrying it. And you're in this storm. It's like a hurricane. You just think of this thing that has happened in your past and you think there's no way that God could ever forgive me. 
I just want you to know that if you're thinking that, that's what I call stinking thinking. Because it's not true. There was a time in my life in college where I did some boneheaded things and I thought God would never be able to forgive me. And then several years later, after being in this storm of my past, thinking it was my past that had caused everything and there's no way God would want a relationship, He came to me in such a powerful way and He gave me something that I didn't understand, a word called grace. Grace says that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. That God just loves you as is. And so in the midst of that storm that I was going through, I finally said, God, uh, this storm, I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? And he said, absolutely. And he forgave me and he gave me a new life and a new hope. And for some of you right now, that's what you need. You're in a storm from your past. You can't get out of it on your own. If you could, you would have already done it. And you beat yourself up and you feel bad. And the truth is, you need the one who was in the boat for the disciples to come and to remind you, you are not alone and that I forgive you, I love you. You see, because Emmanuel just didn't stay a little baby, but he actually grew up to be the greatest teacher ever. And then he went to a cross and died for everything in your past. And he said, I'll take it all on so that you can be set free. And three days later, he rose again and he said, I give that same promise to those who follow me, that they will be with me always, even in eternity. And so for some of you right now, if you're going through something and it's because of your past, I just want to challenge you right now. Cry out to God. Just say, Lord, I need you in my life. I need your grace. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I need your second chance. I need a fresh start. And if that's you, I simply want to lead you in a prayer right now. Let's pray. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Take my past. Take everything. I am yours. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.